I'm going to do something I don't like to do, which is to talk about a complicated issue off the top of my head. I can do it, but I don't like to do it because I like to organize my thoughts a little bit before I do these. But this one, I'm going to do it that way. Uh, People have asked me to start doing weekly updates on what's going on in the financial markets and I hate to say the word economy I'm not going to do that Uh, and I'll tell you why in this podcast but we are in we're in probably a crisis of some kind I don't know how significant it is but we're in a banking crisis in the short term we will talk about that as well but it's not this is not going to be a podcast full of statistics and uh, speaking a language that most people don't understand and i'm not even saying i understand it we'll talk about that too so we will talk about the canary in the coal mine in podcast 1092 the bob davis podcasts if you have contributed to the Bob Davis Podcast through the PayPal window at thebobdavispodcast.com, just underneath the picture of Mobile Podcast Command, which is my rig, I appreciate it. Thank you. Whatever you have sent me, $5, $25, uh, doesn't matter. And what I generally do is wait till a bunch of those come through, and then I thank people specifically. So I'll do that in another podcast. Thanks for subscribing to the Bob Davis Podcast at iTunes. That helps my feeds and doesn't cost you a cent. (laughs) And of course, these are donations. So again, thank you. It really helps. And they essentially go right into the tank. And as I like to say, uh, into the air uh, of my dirty, loud diesel motor. (laughs) So again, thank you for supporting the Bob Davis Podcast, whether you're uh, a client or a person who uh, donates or a listener or whatever subscriber. And you can get the Bob Davis Podcast again at Spotify, which is a great platform, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher.com, which I'm going to take that button down soon at, you know, at all. Wherever podcasts are sold, so just to set the stage, it is March of 2023, and most of the stuff that I talk about in this podcast will not be time sensitive. So you can listen to this two years from now, and it, it you might get an idea um, of a certain perception of what is happening. Uh, and I don't need to belabor this, but I would just say I don't like doing podcasts that are time sensitive. And how, what do I mean? When you put in a bunch of things that just happened, uh, it's just a waste of time because you're just going to have to do another podcast and talk about the things that just happened. I don't like doing that. I did that for years on the radio. You're on the radio four hours a day or three hours a day, and you're on the air every day. So, of course, you update every day because it's news, right? It's telling people what's going on. Podcasting is a different... This is an opportunity for you and me to, you know, sort of muscle through uh, a a problem or romp through uh, an experience, and you you can think about it after you listen to the podcast or fall asleep listening to the podcast. That's the that's the difference in the two mediums you know uh and so i i like to keep that kind of front and center but we have what may be and i i i really 
and you'll understand why I say it shortly, but maybe uh, on the verge of a banking crisis, it may be bad, but it may not be. And we aren't sure yet. Uh, Only time will tell. And if you're listening to this podcast in the future, then you know what happens, right? So it's it's a question of uh, where things lead. I detest making predictions about what will and won't happen. We are awash in this country. We're under attack. I wouldn't I think awash is too light a term. We our minds are under attack in this country uh, with either malicious actors putting out false information or dumb people putting out false information or people that are just trying to make money with YouTube, struggling to be relevant, putting out uh, information about finance and politics, but mostly it's the stuff that's, it's the financial stuff that I watch, and get, they're getting, they're becoming captives of their own audiences and their own likes and shares and their own algorithm that's driving them deeper and deeper into this this is this prediction of the end of the world because i read four books and because i read the fourth turning this is what's going to happen and uh, you know this is just like rome all the things that i hate and i watch a number of people so uh, you know i watch university professors i watch lectures i i try to use the phone for or the device to educate myself rather than just to keep pumping biased and partisan crap into my brain. Unfortunately, most people only listen to the people that they think are credible. And they just keep listening to the people that they think are credible and they don't ever check. Like certain financial people on YouTube, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what their history is. I don't know what their education is. They seem smart. But I don't know if they really know what's going on. Whereas if I listen to somebody like Stephen Hankey, I know that he has a degree and he's a professor at Johns Hopkins. And everybody's like, oh, you can't listen to those people. Well, Stephen Hankey is not what you think. He's just a name. And I'm not saying Stephen Hankey is the guy who answers or knows everything either. But he has a theory and he's an academic and he sticks to his theory. And that's sort of a a touch point or a, a, a reference point that you can use. Without going into too much detail, we are under attack from people that are spreading massive amounts of disinformation. And my experience has been most people, even if they're intelligent, and even if they're critical thinkers, will become swayed by the things that they see specifically on YouTube. YouTube is now the preeminent, uh, in my opinion, social media. Forget Facebook and and Twitter. They're afterthoughts because the videos on YouTube, if you have the time to watch, if YouTube is your primary go-to source of information, uh, and for a lot of us out here in the nomad land, it is, you're very susceptible to being convinced of things that you have to double-check. You have to fact-check. And this is a situation what we are dealing with now with the uh, we've the, at the time of this recording two banks have shut down silverton and uh, the silicon valley bank and i believe two banks have a situation where their stock prices are plummeting and people are uh, selling their stock or 
people are removing their savings from these some of these banks they're putting their money into treasuries they're getting their money their savings out of the banks and putting them into into treasuries and the more uh, that is said on YouTube get your these headlines like get your money out now or get out now why would you listen to somebody on YouTube and tell you to get your money out now whether they're right or wrong you have to say okay why would I why would I get my money out now well the idea that the banks are insolvent and that if there's a run on the banks you're not going to get your money in the two cases that are being talked about right now are banks that were heavily exposed to crypto and of course we all know what's going on with crypto so what happens when there is panic is everybody tries to get out of the airplane all at once everybody runs to the theater and tries to get out of the theater all at once and you get people piling up at the theater doors because they're in fear of their life because there's a fire and they're running to the theater doors you have a lot of people on YouTube who are basically screaming fire in a crowded auditorium. I hate to use that, you know, that's sort of a shibboleth, but that's what they're doing. And people are terrified because they think their money's going to be gone. And your money could be gone. I'm not going to tell you that it isn't or won't. That's up to you to figure out on your own whether you should take your money out of the bank and put it in a mattress is entirely up to you. But my purpose uh, in talking about this is i believe these these first few failures which you can point to uh overexposure to crypto in at least two cases are canaries in the coal mine we'll talk about that in this podcast a little bit now why are you talking about this bob davis first of all when you have people running for the exits what you have is everyone basically devolves into their lines of political bias this is what this is why this information on youtube and in social media is so dangerous because everybody runs to their lane to use whatever facts they have at their disposal to 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 justify why people who are billionaires are evil or why uh you know uh, this president is an idiot or that president was an idiot or whatever the re this is all happening because of this reason but most of it has nothing to do with presidents somebody remarked to me recently about a recent president well when when this person was president everything was fine and i said well no not not really because there were various things going on and the economic stuff has little to do with who is president usually it has to do with what the central bank is doing and what conditions in the country are and sometimes presidents can help things out but mostly it's what laws are being enacted by congress and what these institutions like the federal reserve are doing that's what controls the economy everybody thinks that the president of the united states has a button or a series of buttons on his desk one is marked banking one is marked uh, energy, one is marked defense, one is marked this, that, and the other thing. And all he has to do is push those buttons and things happen. Well, that's just not how it works. They can certainly issue executive orders, which are, you know, dubious in terms of their effect. Usually they're reversed by the next president. So presidents don't control the economy. That's a misnomer. The Federal Reserve, the, uh, the, the force of nature known as the economy, is more like a storm than it is something that is susceptible to somebody pushing a button or pulling a lever somewhere and usually 
Central bankers in particular learn this lesson the hard way. They pull on levers that aren't connected to anything, but they think they are. So they do stuff because they think this, that, or the other thing is going to happen, and they, they really don't know, and they don't know what causes. So they don't know the cause of inflation, let's say. They don't know, they don't understand necessarily, and I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm saying they are blinded by the light in the sense that they all have their own theories and they have their own data they look at, and that's how they do things. I'm talking about the central bankers. So when these things happen out here in the land of the great unwashed, people revert to what they know, which is they know a lot of biased facts, and they get more biased facts, and so they immediately go to, this is why this is happening, and this is what's going to happen, and then... And this is my pet peeve, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more in a second. You get into this incessant predicting the future, whether it is Bloomberg interviewing stockbrokers or CNN with people uh, who are quote-unquote famous traders on television, and everybody wants to know what's going to happen. And they never say, well, June... Uh, it's a great question, but I have no idea what's going to happen. You are as you are as your idea about what's going to happen is just as valid as mine. I have no idea what's going to happen. This is what I'm doing. This is what I think. But for me to sit here and tell you or anyone else what's going to happen is folly. And and I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to tell you why I became interested in all these systems which will give you some background, but I can't tell you what's going to happen. But all these people on YouTube and all these people on television, if you watch them incessantly, you're going to be lulled into a false sense of security, uh, which is everything's fine and or the end of the world is coming and you better get right with God. And none of it is true. It's, it's probably somewhere in between bad or better. And I can't tell you why. So there will be no predictions in this podcast. I can only tell you what I've learned and what I think this is, and we'll see what happens in the future. All right, let's talk about something wonderful. Let's talk about something that will give you a little bit of peace in a serene and tranquil space, which is your garden. So let's talk about GardenGurusMN.com. First of all, they don't necessarily have to garden for you, but what they can do is help you prepare your garden, get it ready so you can do what you want to do. Is your garden overgrown? Are your weeds out of control? This is the stuff I hate, right, that I didn't want to deal with in the yard. Is your soil looking tired and thin when you go out there? And of course, in the northern reaches of this country, we're still in winter. So uh, once that snow melts and you go out there, you're going to go, oh, my God, this is terrible. These are people that, and whatever, whether you have bushes or a nice garden or flowers in your yard, you want it to look good because especially in these trying times, you want to have a place where you can sit and go, and that's your garden. So you need a garden makeover, and this is what uh, Garden Gurus MN does. Also, they can stage real estate. That's going to become very important. If you're getting ready to sell your mom's house or you're going to sell your house, you want it staged properly so it looks good when people come to look at it. It's all about yard and, and street appeal. And commercial real estate as well. Uh, if you have a building for your business or you're looking for a, a, you know someone to just spruce things up around the plant, just go to Garden Gurus MN.com. 
I became interested in, I've always been interested in economics, but I've also, I also learned in 2008, what you don't know is what hurts you. And what you, if you listen to these people you, that tell you either everything's going to hell in a handbasket or everything's just fine, you're, gonna, you're not going to know what to do. And you can't make decisions about what to do, okay? And, and that's what I learned in 2008. Interviewing the Assistant Treasury Secretary and interviewing senators and interviewing people in the financial business on the day when everything became obvious that uh, it became obvious that we had a big problem. And I remember just putting the notes away and my producer Kyle just started pushing people through and we just started talking to people. And all of them assured everyone that the that the banking system was stable and that this wasn't going to be a problem and and everything went to hell in a handbasket after that, especially the assistant treasury secretary. And this is at the time when they were sitting down with the banks and basically forcing them to take this bailout. So what the, the officials were saying was probably not something that you would want to hear. And, and, and an example of how officialdom handles problems is uh this palestine uh, ohio thing uh was a perfect example oh it's just everything's fine don't worry well everything might be fine and everything might not be fine but you would be well served to basically go over to your friend's house in pennsylvania and stay there for a few weeks before you come back and, and deal with it so these are decisions that you and i have to make on our own concerning where our money is and what we're doing with our money if we have any uh, so what's happening is uh, banks, especially publicly traded banks, are businesses just like any other publicly traded business. So you have uh, businesses like, uh, I don't know, a defense contractor, Raytheon, let's say. You can buy stock in uh, General Dynamics, and General Dynamics is a business. You can buy stock in Exxon. You can buy stock in Apple or Google. They are businesses, and they make money, and hopefully they make enough to drive their stock price up, and you will have a nice little fat portfolio after 20 or 30 years that you can sell. And that is the basis of 401ks and uh, you know other people investing their cash in the markets. Or real estate. Uh, you know, it's if you buy real estate and you rent houses out, you're running a business. So a bank is a business, and especially the big businesses have uh, stock that people can buy. U.S. Bank, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, the big banks, you can buy stock in those banks. But every business is different, and every business is configured differently and has different purposes for what they do. There's investment banks, there's full service banks, there's savings and loans. You know, some of them are are private businesses. Some of them are owned by shareholders in the bank, which is not necessarily a good thing. Some of them are owned uh, by stockholders in in a in a publicly traded stock. Recently, a uh, real estate investor and billionaire uh, from Chicago, Sam Zell, said something on Bloomberg, which I have not forgotten. So they were asking Sam Zell, you know, uh, what do you do and what's going to happen? And tell us, you know, please read the tea leaves because, you know, these media people just can't stand it if somebody doesn't give them some, you know, dire prediction. What's wrong? He said the following. He said that there's a lot of businesses which are configured for 0% interest rate and quantitative easing. Now, I've explained quantitative easing uh, in recent podcasts, but in a, in a very quick way, 
when your interest rates are 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 effectively zero percent when the interest rates meaning the money that people borrow is effectively at zero percent and you have economic problems the 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 central banks do something called quantitative easing which most of us think they shouldn't do and they should never do again but they do and this is basically they start buying securities and they will do this in order to get the interest rate below zero to make it low enough that people can start investing and what zell was saying was that there are many businesses which are configured their business model is configured for very low interest rates they are not prepared for high interest rates so the federal reserve has raised interest rates from something like two percent or almost zero to roughly five i think we're around five and a half percent now and most businesses that are configured for essentially zero percent interest rates and this is a cost so this is how much it costs to borrow money and businesses borrow money they have revolving lines of credit they borrow money to invest they do a lot of borrowing and this is what banks do they provide these resources and in a debt-based monetary system this is how money is created so you put a dollar in the bank the bank takes your dollar and loans it out now the bank has two dollars because they've loaned your dollar to somebody and they know that person's going to pay it back and you can put that in quotes and so now they have two dollars they have your dollar and then they have the dollar that somebody borrowed except if they don't have enough reserves and people go in and get their cash that bank is going to have be put out of business and that's called having a run on the bank and usually they close the bank so people can't get their money and people freak out and that only makes it worse and that's what's been happening but these banks uh were heavily exposed in terms of investments to cryptocurrencies and cryptocurrencies are the canary in the coal mine maybe in the sense that as they went down then these banks also ultimately would go down now the real canary in the coal mine was sam bankman freed and that ridiculous uh, uh alameda uh, whatever that the, uh, cryptocurrency exchange and you started to see the cryptocurrency exchanges going down and one wondered well is this going to affect any banks in the united states well yes it did and that's a significant issue so far that's where we're at but and i i basically will sum up by saying this all of these banks are businesses and they all have investment models and they all function based on things like interest rates and how much money they make on the money they invest and how many people are investing money in their bank and it's all a confidence game meaning you want to put your money into some bank that you think is going to be big and safe some people think too big to fail i wouldn't take that to the bank literally uh other people put money in savings and loans because they're community owned or whatever you want to say community banks or savings and loan that are owned by their investors and so on and i i'm not going to get into liabilities for investors in credit unions or get into the fact that there's a number of we, another big problem brewing is car loans and if those start to go that's going to be as big as subprime in 2008 again these are all these details i started this because i was concerned about high gas prices the good news in all this is that brent crude and and west texas uh is is uh is going down and has been going down for a long time finally inflation deflation disinflation all of this is blamed on the federal reserve the federal reserve is raising interest rates and they're breaking stuff and they have they are now they are now going to uh they're going to have to reduce rates they're going to have to pause uh 
we have roughly five and a half to six percent inflation according to the consumer price index right now and the fed is watching two things primarily they're watching the consumer price index and they're watching employment so as if we have full employment and the and the and the consumer price index says that inflation is either going up or going down it ticked up last month if it continues to tick up i got news for you the federal reserve isn't going to care if they put banks out of business they're basically going to say you guys should be on guard to to reconfigure your business for higher interest rates and you should do that soon and then you have to start laying people off and you have to start changing your investments it's expensive and dangerous and if you think the fed's going to pivot back to lower interest rates you don't necessarily want to do that because it's expensive it's reconfiguring your business i started this because of concerns about high fuel prices and inflation when it was nine and a half percent what causes inflation well you hear a lot of stuff that is absolutely false that suggests to me that a lot of these people on YouTube and a lot of people who are on television do not understand what causes inflation. According to Milton Friedman and even Stephen Hanke, inflation is always and everywhere a function, a monetary function, meaning how much money is in the system. And the uh, th this is referred to essentially as M2. M2 went up enormously during the COVID era. This is what caused the inflation. The other stuff may or may not have had an effect. Shortages, everyone thinks shortages caused the inflation. No, it was an over uh, amount of M2, money in the system, for whatever reason. That has been contracting significantly for the last, probably, well, let's just say the last year. It's been contracting between 1% and 3% per month. We're talking about trillions of dollars. We're not talking about a few million dollars. We're talking about the entire money, so basically all, almost all the money supply. Like there's different M's. One is money offshore, one is cash money, but M2 is the one that they use to measure the money in the system. And it's been going down. When you see a contraction in the money supply, a significant contraction in the money supply, you're going to go from inflation very quickly to deflation. M2 has nothing to do with interest rates is my understanding and i think i'm right about that m2 is just the money in circulation if they don't put more money into circulation then you have fewer dollars chasing uh many goods and so the prices have to come down so what we're looking at here if this is in the canary is the canary in the coal mine is sort of a continuing race to the bottom in the sense that businesses suddenly start realizing if they want to get rid of their inventories if they want to provide services they got to reduce their prices because people can't afford it but we still have six and a half percent inflation so we're in that sort of space between when it actually takes effect and when uh when the, the Federal Reserve, the, the central bank, which is basically the main feature in our economic landscape in the world, because it isn't just the Federal Reserve, it's the Canadian Central Bank, it's the British Central Bank, it's the Indian Central Bank, it's the Chinese Central Bank, and so on. Um, uh, there's a lag time, a significant lag time, usually about a year for the effects to be felt. It's possible that the the contraction in the money supply could produce a very severe recession if it's prolonged if it goes for three or four or five quarters or six quarters that's a depression so 
when I say depression, that's when people start running for the exits. What do I do? Banks are going to close. I'm going to lose my money. I don't know. This is why they say right now, have your money in cash, have your money in metal, have your money in treasury bills, whatever. You, in other words, don't be investing in the stock market. Now, the stock market has not capitulated yet by this date. It might. Uh, the, the markets have not fully capitulated yet, meaning they haven't thrown in the towel. That may happen. If we continue to have bank failures, if the Federal Reserve continues down this path of raising interest rates, which I think they will, even and it may be 50 basis points at a time, it may be 75 basis points, who knows? If they continue to do this, there will be carnage in American business. And uh, it, it, the, for, as Jeremy Grantham has said, first they came for the pets.com, then they came for Lehman. Eventually, they will start, big companies will start breaking because they have not configured their businesses for high interest rates. They have not configured their businesses to be less speculative, let's say, with cryptocurrencies. And these banks that are failing right now, as of this date, 32323, uh, I'm sorry, 31323, are still overextended in these highly speculative, speculative areas. I don't know what U.S. Bank does with their loan portfolio. And this was what happened in 2008. Oh, the banks are secure. Everything's just fine. Nobody realized that these banks had invested heavily in mortgage-backed securities, which were not what they thought they were because nobody was checking to see whether or not they were or they weren't. They were enjoying the ride up. They weren't paying attention to how they got there. And I think there's some similarities between that time and this time. But the only thing I would say is this. First of all, all I care about is oil crashing because that means cheap diesel. And that's all I care about because then I can travel. Second of all, I don't know what the future holds. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I have no idea. I have my theories, but I'm not going to share them because I'm not going to predict the future and jump on the friggin' back bandwagon. Uh, which all these guys do to tell you what's going to happen and why, because they don't know either. And that was the lesson of 2008. I don't care. There were a couple of people who got it right by accident, because they they were perma they were doomers, and you know every week they were predicting the end of the world. Uh, those people I don't listen to either, because I don't know whether they actually know or they just keep saying the same thing over and over again. So this is a this is a this is an important time. It's a pivotal time. It's a precarious moment in world history and U.S. history. Anything can happen, uh, and I think the most important thing is to try to avoid being pushed into a certain way of thinking. Try to avoid politicizing what is essentially a financial issue. That is that has to do with money supply and interest rates and treasury rates and all these things uh, and how mortgage rates and who's buying what and these macroeconomic issues, which are very complex. Try not to politicize this because a change of an administration and I don't care whether this happens or that happens. That's not what I'm saying. But a change in political leadership doesn't necessarily mean this is going to get fixed anytime soon or that the next problem isn't being created as we speak. So politicizing financial stuff is really dangerous. And and in a panic, politicizing the outcome uh, or the situation is also uh it, it, what it, I, let's not say it's dangerous. Let's say this. 
What it does is it prevents you from being able to be objective enough to look at what's actually going on and say, this is what I think, and have an objective opinion. Because you have this pre-bias that certain people are wrong no matter what they do, and certain people are right no matter what they do. The fact is both can be wrong and both can be right. So when we think about this stuff, as I said, you know what frustrates me? I want $2 a gallon diesel, and I want it right now. <laughs> and I've been talking about it for two years, and it is not happening. It's down, but it's not down to where I want. I want a depression. I want a market capitulation because I want to be able to use the cash I have to do the things I want to do. And right now, prices are too high. Now, I'm going to say one thing about the future. We're not there yet. We still have essentially full employment. People are not walking away from their mortgages. People are paying their car loans for the most part. Uh, all these things could happen. They might happen. And if you're listening to me a month from now and it's happening, don't go, you know what you're talking about. I don't know. But so far, the world has not fallen apart yet. If it does, well, then I'll have to, I'll do another update. But this is where we're at. It's understanding what a bank is. It's understanding business. It's understanding that people at these banks, even with their gold-plated uh, you know, uh, logos on the, the big buildings in New York, make egregious mistakes because even if they're smart, they don't know everything. Even, and many of them are dumb. And, and that goes for almost everyone. As far as everyone saying, well, the Federal Reserve is stupid and they have all these PhD economists and they don't know what they're doing. The Fed is looking at backward indicators on purpose because when the CPI comes down, when the inflation rate comes down, when, when they see some effects in employment, then they'll know they've done their job to get rid of inflation. Unfortunately, <laughs> some would say, the cure is worse than the disease. I'm not sure I agree with that. I just want cheap diesel. And that's what started me down this road. And I got to tell you, I've learned a lot, probably enough to know what I don't know, which is good, that I, I wouldn't even begin to be able to give you a, an educated opinion on what is going to happen. I just hope it results in cheaper diesel. <laughs> so, you know, I'd like to tell you something good, but I don't know if I can, but we'll see. Uh, thanks for listening to Podcast 1092. Uh, a little update about the canary in the coal mine, the Bob Davis Podcasts. <laughs>
like it, yeah.